Well, it's all well and good, and it's 1938. Do you want to know what happened in 1938? What happened in 1938? The company Samsung was formed in 1938 as a company that sold noodles. That's wild. I know. So the people who make sound bars and TVs started as a noodle company. What a pivot. Yeah. You know what else happened in 1938? No. Orson Welles' radio adaptation of The War of the Worlds was broadcast, causing a mild panic in certain parts of New York. This is one of those urban legends, right? Yeah. The, like, oh, people were freaking out because they actually thought aliens were invading. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that was one of those, like, cases of, like, the newspapers generating hysteria where it Mm -hmm. didn't exist. But people did really, like, think for a moment that those broadcasts were, like, legit news and it wasn't until i think because a lot of people tuned in halfway through and so they were like oh shit like something military is happening on american soil and then like i think when like the second act started nini was like please remember that this is just a fictional broadcast blah 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 blah. back to the story i mean i feel like it just it's it's an example of great storytelling Mm -hmm. do you want to know it's not an example of great storytelling uh i think it i think you might be talking about the 1938 best director winner oscar winner the awful truth you are correct directed by leo mccary it's a bad time hello i'm your critic mavis evergreen uh today i'm going to talk about sexism and comedy uh and my name is andres reyes and i'm going to be talking a bit about hollywood history um a lot about Hollywood history and I think directorial style probably. But what we're both gonna talk about is the movie, The Awful Truth. Would you like me to read a summary to you? I would love to know. This is hot off the presses. It's the paper I wrote it on. The Awful Truth is ostensibly a comedy directed by Leo McCary and starring Irene Dunn and Cary Grant. Two wealthy New York socialites find themselves in the midst of divorce when husband Jerry Warner refuses to believe his wife Lucy Warner didn't cheat on him with her vaguely European music teacher. But the joke's on him as she catches him in a lie when she finds a California orange in his Miami gift basket. The divorce proceedings give Lucy custody of their dog. Lucy moves in with her aunt and begins wooing Oklahoma oil fuck Dan Leeson, but that rendezvous ends in disaster when her meddling husband and her music teacher get into a fistfight in her bedroom. A distraught Lucy somehow comes to the conclusion that she still loves Jerry, Jerry then begins seeing socialite and heiress Barbara Vance. Lucy crashes his meeting of the parents, and the two of them go on a car ride to her uncle's cabin, where they stare at each other as their last night as a married couple counts down to midnight. Slut. I feel like this is a movie um, that we don't have a lot to say about. Mm Mm-mm. Because it's just, it's a very nothing movie for interesting reasons. Uh, I think those are the reasons why it's won an Oscar and why it's in the Criterion Collection. But those reasons are... Yeah, like I good. I I think a book about the mm-hmm. making of this movie would probably be more Oscar worthy than, than the, movie. the movie. Or like I, I I can't imagine in like ten years there's going to be like a movie about the making of this movie. You know how they've done they've, yeah. they've done a couple of those, and that would be more Oscar worthy yeah, than this well, movie. And it would win, maybe it would win an Emmy, not an Oscar. It'd be made for TV, right? Like it'd be yeah. an HBO thing. So I think I just want to get my complaints out of the way. Um, oh yeah, we got a long we got a long. This is I think the least notes either of us have taken and we both take a lot of notes normally this movie is just a real slog and it's only 90 minutes it's only 90 minutes this might be the longest shortest movie we've ever seen so 
there's the obvious hypocrisy to the joke is that they both are maybe cheating on each other but when our female lead does it it's like oh i'm gonna divorce you because this is so awful mm-hmm. and you're like a slut in society and so she spends like the whole movie kind of disproving that she didn't cheat on him in fact whereas he never has to disprove that he cheated on her yeah and according to like the show notes he didn't cheat on her but it never comes up in the movie oh yeah if you read the wikipedia summary of this the wikipedia summary is like he was on a boys night and she was just hanging out with her music teacher and it's like she has to go through so many hoops to try to prove this though and no one ever cares that he cheated on her like it's not a part of the plot yeah never brought up again at no point is there like a like roundabout slapstick oh by the way her running into all of his friends when they're talking about that super cool boys night that they had in california where they just played card why would he lie about this why would he lie about this Um, it's a real it's a real sitcom thing to lie about right like oh man my wife can't know i'm just hanging out with the boy so i have to tell her i'm going on a big old business trip which tell her you're going on a business trip to california you fuck yeah it doesn't make any sense unless he did actually cheat on her Mm -hmm. um but whatever the movie doesn't care no, he has the, the onus of, it, it, it's just assumed, yeah. right? Like, of course he didn't. I don't even think that's it. Honestly, what it is, is it doesn't matter if he cheated on her. What mm-hmm. matters if, is if she cheated on him. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I think I agree with you. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that, I don't think that that's the stance the movie's taking, right? It's, 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 I think, a thing that we societally under, like, we mm-hmm. understand that like, as a society, mm-hmm. we are more willing to forgive men for doing these heinous things. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, if a woman... If, if, if a woman if a woman if a woman if, if a woman has like even a one percent chance mm-hmm. right of having been um, adulteress a, like an adulteress right that she is sullied for life right mm-hmm. and it's and like there is nothing she can do to like recover from that and like this movie doesn't understand what it's playing with by not making him have to go through the same struggles she does no because it's not equal no it's it's a movie that is painfully unfunny for a comedy I I laughed never. Yeah, zero times. I chuckled once. I went <laughs> once, which is when he sat on the chair and then he like fell off of it. And I was like, that's some good fucking slapstick right there. Him getting any comeuppance was so nice. Yeah. He's a... He, so. he's, a he's awful. He's awful. So that sucks. I, I think the problem is that the movie doesn't make a stance on it. So I'm going to assume the worst because it should have done something. To no, yeah, right. It, the worst. Um... <laughs> But the other thing that this movie does that I think is like heinous and awful is he is constantly nagging her. So he just like starts stalking her, like just showing up at her house, even though they're divorced, demanding her attention, making her feel awful and terrible and miserable. Mm -hmm. And eventually she falls in love with him again. And it's like, I don't know why he literally has been making you miserable and constantly mocking you. It is in the framing of the movie. Mm-hmm. This this guy flip flops so wildly from like I want her to get back with me to I hope she's never happy again yeah. and like those two feelings are not compatible. No, you, you cannot have you cannot want both of those things unless he's you're... also never shown as being sad about her like leaving no. or seeing other people. Like he's a psychopath. <laughs> Sucks so bad and like everything he does is <laughs> to her ruin even when he's like being more of the i want my wife to love me again character he's still just constantly like destroying under, her life destroying her life undercutting her like yeah. making fun of anybody she's with who isn't him yeah and it's like so abusive it's and manipulative and awful horrifying it's genuinely scary she should have just let him keep the dog 
so she wouldn't yeah. have to deal with this. The dog is his excuse for like hanging around her. Oh yeah, I'm sure if the dog wasn't there, right? Like the movie would have come up with like other like yeah. oh like her aunt lives next door to him, so they just run into the hall, right? Like the movie yeah. would have made up a bunch of other weird like another contrived reason excuse for him to just be around all the time. But the but thing is, is that he doesn't need to be around. All the no, time. it's super creepy. He and weird. needs to get his own dog and fucking get over it. And then the other thing the movie does that I think is like heinous and really speaks to the disparities. And again, a lot of these problems have to do with it being like a comedy yeah. and it not really being able to balance the genders in yeah. I mean, comedic the, punching. The movie dedicates an entire hour of its 90 minute runtime to him treating her like shit. Yeah. And then she only gets the last 20 minutes. Yeah. Because the last 10 minutes are fucking weird. It's true. Her doing this is very out of character. Because it comes. Yeah, it's it out of nowhere. It literally comes out sense. of nowhere. All of a sudden, she's like, I think I still love him. And it's like, why? But also, for like the first time ever, she's like standing. I wouldn't say standing up for herself because it's a thing. But like, it's not in her character to like bite back. So it's very weird that she's doing it now. I mean, before she was verbally. Like sparring, but she yeah. was not. She she hadn't gone to the lengths of like physical and like. We don't mean like fighting, just like in action, right? Yeah, like physically going to a place to fuck his shit. Yeah. She had never done that for the whole movie, and like now she is, and it's very weird and sudden. Yeah, and I don't know. Like there is there is the trappings of like a good romance story in this, right? I like, don't think there is. I think the, the relationship is doomed. No, I, I the 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 characters as they are written in this movie, like yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. throw this fucking movie away. This movie goes so hard. Like they go to they get divorced. They go to court. She gets custody of the dog. She meets another dude. He meets another woman and like two other women. Sorry. Yeah. And like. At the end of it, they don't even they don't even say I love you. It, they they're just, just have sex. They're just it's implied that they had sex, but like they just stare at each other through th like from two from separate bedrooms through an open door. Another like, movie in which somebody has sex at their parents' house, though, which is weird. Which is weird, yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, so the second thing that I found like really outrageous is third. I think we're on three. Now. We're on third. Is they yeah. all blend together? Strike three, you're out. Strike three. Uh, so she, the guy, she like falls in love with is in the movie's terms like this hick new money idiot who she's miserable with and who is super dumb and the framing of this is so gross because they're framed as like old money which is good and he's like new dumb Oklahoma money which is bad and I agree yes, that that's bad. bad but they're both bad they're both and bad. I don't like making fun of someone for their intelligence like I don't think that's very fun it's not a funny joke and it's like oh get it even when she's like with this new guy he's stupid and she should go back with her old smart dude and then when he gets a lover she's like a baroness who's super cool and elegant and it's like they do you not it. understand what you're doing movie like she gets this fucking country bumpkin idiot the movie goes out of its way to mock it every second and he gets like a step up woman like he's demeaning himself by being with her because he could do better even though he literally harasses her for most of the movie mm -hmm. and it's like the framing what? of every possible choice is it like is the worst such horse shit yeah. it's such horse shit right and like also the this movie revels in making fun of the working class the, the the well actually let me let me just say this the movie needs to have a point oh this yeah movie it's, has this movie's called no the awful point. truth and it never tells you what the truth is and there. i assume the awful truth is that men can cheat and gaslight women yeah the the movie refuses to like dictate terms about what it's trying no. to be about the awful truth could be anything from married people should stay married to divorced people should stay divorced that that's how fuzzy it is the movie refuses to like tell you what the awful truth is this movie is based on a play by the way like whoopty fucking do can you believe it barely I, has but yeah also has nothing to do with it 
it's frustrating. Yeah. Because it's devoid of any sort of substance other than trying to do a funny joke every scene. This is definitely a shotgun movie of like every time a character talks, they're saying like five jokes at once, but they're doing it in like the awful very dated like 1930s like mm-hmm. play voice where they're just like and it's like you're not enunciating you're saying everything so fast subtitles don't exist i have no idea what you're saying it's a thing about this movie that i think is like what this movie wants to be is it wants to be a collection of jokes mm-hmm. and as as a collection of jokes it also fails like it's, <laughs> it's not, not funny. funny it's not fucking funny a part of the problem is that like this movie is constantly punching down <laughs> let's talk well let's talk about comedy for a second right like comedy in order for a comedy to work you gotta have what three things you gotta have the setup like anticipation anticipation and mm. the punchline yeah right you gotta have you gotta have a story but like because this movie has no story all of these gags are essentially devoid from each other. They're also like devoid of purpose or context. You could remix this movie and it would still not be funny, no. but it would also make just as much sense because no scene really correlates with the one before it or the one after it. All of the jokes have to be contained within the scene. Mm-hmm. And so what you're essentially watching is bad improv, but then like when you watch bad improv and at, at some point in the scene, they're like, all right, we're going to stop now. And we're going to reset the scene and then we're going to do more bad improv. And like, that's what this movie is. And that's because also that's what this, that's how this movie was directed. Uh, yeah. And I want to like adding on to kind of the bad improv, a lazy joke vibe. I think when you have bad comedy, you, you fall into a lot of the pitfalls of bad comedy, which is like you're punching down. You end up in like racist places. You end up in sexist places. Like you go for the easy jokes that you know will get a laugh from like the worst people. Mm. And this movie does all of those. There's like a racist, vaguely Asian person that happens. I would have to look up. I should say this is an actual Asian actor. I the movie does like no setup. No, it came literally out of nowhere. Out of nowhere, I was he's, he is the vaguely European lover's doorman. I think he's his secretary, which is part of the joke because that's a woman's job. Yeah, and then he says, "I know judo," but you know, in the awful like caricature. Um, yeah, I, I think at one point we get a gong noise. Correct. We might have gotten two. Not sure also don't worry our main hero does beat him in a fight yeah he just yeah because the he just punches him this like an american yeah, would this, no he he flips him he does, does a, he does, he he do does the flip? he does the like foot behind the other foot and oh, pushing him over okay and he's like i also know judo ha 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 it's not good I mean, it's it's one of those things where like the whole point of comedy is to be funny mm-hmm. and the problem with like bad comedy is not that it, it's not is not that it's not funny because mm-hmm. it is it's who is it funny to and like when a movie like this puts itself into the world it's saying to a very specific subgroup of awful racist sexist homophobic people that not only is it okay for you to find this funny but every anybody who tells you otherwise is actually wrong because they actually, they, should, they just can't take a joke they just can't take a joke they should find this funny too and it's like no i have i have a fucking moral standard like i'm not going to laugh at things that require me to belittle like the lives of actual human beings and put them in like a worse position yeah and you know it's rough when the movie like makes me feel bad for oil barons yeah <laughs> we felt yeah oil guy weird dude weird first dude of all, weird caricature very loud very loud we make fun of twice a woman who does a kind of sexy dance like just this working woman she's doing the marilyn monroe thing she's right? doing the marilyn monroe thing and it's like hey this is a working 
hardworking woman and literally the movie goes so out of its way to be like this woman is a dumb idiot slut whore and we are going to make fun of her when she does her dance and then we're literally going to mock her again and it's like hey this sucks because our main characters are bougie rich assholes who have never had to work a day in their life they can't really be making jokes at the expense of others because it sucks but th this movie like i just i just i struggled to to find any of it humorous because it was just so boring it was exhausting so like part part of the reason for why that is is i think because of how it was directed mm -hmm. um leo mccary uh, by the like I, like I mentioned earlier reading about how this movie was made way more interesting than the movie itself this was like his biggest movie to date and he was known for doing improv which at the time was kind of considered weird Mm -hmm. Like Cary Grant uh, at the time had been working for, had just gotten off contract with Paramount, which was very strict about like how they treated their actors. Very like actors had to be on set at very specific times with their lines completely memorized. They would get on, they would do like two shots and then cool, done, boom, get out of here. Like we need to move on to the next uh, scene. Dang, it's almost like it's a job. Right, yeah, like they're doing a job. And so what Leo McCary did is he didn't write a script. He would write scripts like the morning of. Sometimes he would show up to work and there wouldn't be a script because he hadn't written it yet. So he'd sit down and he'd just twiddle play his thumb. Play the piano. Yeah, play the piano until he figured something out. For the first week of production, this caused so much stress that like the two lead actors would have were just going through like a lot of like mental mental health Didn't problems. Didn't Cary Grant offer to pay him money if he could leave the film? Yes, offered to pay the producer a thousand dollars to leave the film, and then the director was like, "You know what? I will also pay the producer a thousand dollars to get him off my movie if he's going to be this way." They ended up kind of never liking each other after that. Yeah, because um, this director fucking sucks ass. But this movie did essentially make Cary Grant a comedic lead for the rest of his life, which is interesting. That is interesting because um, this movie's not funny. No. I don't know. It's like, I understand what this director's trying to do, right? Like this director is trying to set a certain mood and tone for how he wants the comedy to be in. A lot of times improv is a great way to just allow actors to, to loosen up and to find something in the scene that maybe we hadn't been thought about before. But the, the problem with that is in order to do that, one, you have to have a scene. You have to have a fucking movie. You have to have, you have a story. You have to have a plot and a character arc and narrative. And this movie has none of those things. It's based off a play and like name only. And the other problem with that is the whole point of mm -hmm. film mm -hmm. is to capture, capture something lifelike. Okay, right? Like, try to capture something that's... You want those Kodak moments. Not even, like, visually, right? I mean, emotionally. Like, it needs to be emotionally resonant. And this movie is so sloppily slapped together. And it's so clear that you struggle to find anything emotionally resonant in it at all. And, I don't know, it's competently shot. None of the... This is probably one of the better black and white movies that we've seen in terms of just, like, being clean looking. But all of the shots are very basic. It's just, like, you know... I put a camera in the corner of the room, wide angle. Yeah, wide angle, like... Reverse shot, like sorry, it's not that the movie's shots or scenes were done poorly. A director's job is bigger than that, right? Like mm -hmm. the cohesion of the film as a whole isn't there. And like if you're a director and you look at a movie, I don't care how beautiful or good any of your individual scenes are. If your movie as a whole falls flat, then you're a bad fucking director, right? Like Zack Snyder, my nemesis, no. <laughs> um, the person who made my mom hate Superman. Zack Snyder, I think, is one of those directors who if you took a screenshot of any of his movies, mm -hmm. you would look at it and go, oh man, that screenshot looks so cool. I wish I could watch that movie. But then you watch that movie and you realize it sucks <laughs> because because there's no there's no substance, right? It's yeah. all just... It's all fast. And we're, that's a director who is very aesthetically primed to shoot shots that look good when 
you take a still. This movie isn't that, right? No. Like the shots in this movie are like can like blend into each other. The whole movie does. No, I get exactly what you're I think trying to say, which is just that this movie has a gimmick and the gimmick is that it's all improv. None of the scenes were written and all of the actors hated doing it because it was shit tear work and that gimmick made it famous. It made it an Oscar. It got it on the Criterion Collection. But there's also a reason why like that gimmick hasn't really made the top list again. It's because it's bad. It's because you don't get a coherent, like a cohesive movie and it's because it's not funny. Throwing someone in a room and then yelling now be Be funny funny isn't effective. Good comedians don't just be like, yeah, I make a new set every Tuesday. because that's not effective yeah if that were the case paul blart mall cop 2 should have gotten a fucking oscar right like that's (laughs) because that's all that movie was that's true it's it's bananas to me and like i get that there's some sort of disbelief i think Mm -hmm. that a director could even make a cohesive movie under those conditions i don't even think he gets the credit for that because it's based on a play he didn't even have to like you know what i'm saying like one it's barely based on the play but two it's not like at least paul blart mall cop isn't like ripping off a book like oh we actually already had this basic outline it doesn't even get the credit for like ah and then it ends somewhere it's like cool it kind of had a vague outline because it was based off a play in the first place so it had it's like big beats down it just didn't have any of the narrative to connect them the the writing parts yeah where where you sit down and you write and you write a movie because we've all everybody's written an outline of their next great novel but if you don't write the parts in between it then guess what you haven't written anything right like you've just outlined it and that's what this movie is. This movie is an outline, right? It's a like, stolen outline. A stolen outline. And like, and then the actors just made it up as they went along. And like, I don't know, that works for a 25 minute episode of Whose Line Is It Anyway? But God, at least in Whose Line It Is It Anyway, every five seconds they get a new prompt. That's true. It's, just, it's miserable. And I think in a kind of cynical way, it speaks to the kind of beginning of Hollywood not being like a job anymore. And a lot of people in Hollywood being like gimmicky, I want my vision to be the thing and I don't care if my vision is good mm-hmm. because I have enough money to just make movies. There's a saying that I think is very very popular if you've done any sort of like movie criticism. This is this is this is like baby's 101 critique which is that, you know, like good acting and directing can't save a bad script. Yeah. And like if if you want to look at a director who is consistently at the top of his game, mm-hmm. you want to look at like Steven Spielberg who is by all accounts, kind of boring director, mm-hmm. you know? Um, he's not flashy, but he's solid. People like working with him. People trust him. He has an oeuvre of Academy Award-winning films, and at the time of this recording, is vying up for another. But he still has bad movies, right? Like, mm-hmm. he directed Ready Player One, and that Ew. movie is fucking garbage. And, it's like, true. a big part of this, because it's just, it's based on a shitty premise and like i couldn't tell you if this guy was a good director because the the writing the beat to beat like lines and dialogue and moments of this movie are so bad that i i i i I, I, I hesitate to judge this guy on it but also this was his thing this is what he did this is what he wanted to do this is what he pushed for and if this is every single one of his movies i don't want to fucking see him yeah because it sucks (laughs) And also, I don't know, part of me is really mad that so many people told him no and he got to do it anyway. His lead two actors literally both begged to be like, oh, this movie. 
and he was like, hey, fuck you, do it. Sorry. And like, what a piece of shit. What an awful person. And, and like, that comes down to the producers letting him get away with it. Like, if I was a producer of a movie and my actor came to me and was like, I will give you money, cash in hand, to get me off this project, I'd be like, maybe we need to relook at this project. Yeah. And like, I don't know. I guess it worked out for them because the movie was successful, right? But like, I bet it doesn't feel good to be like, I fucking hated this project. And because it has this dumb gimmick, not because it's good, it, it's winning awards. And like, that gimmick made me cry for weeks. Yeah. If you are the main actress. Yeah. And like Cary Grant and Irene Dunn leads in this movie. I believe both won Oscars for best acting in this. And that that's ridiculous. Ridiculous. Because this is not, this I, is this, is, this is not good work. Cary Grant's performance in bringing back baby is way better than this. Mm -hmm. And like, I haven't seen Irene Dunn in anything else, but like, I'm sure that if we watched anything else, it would be better. The thin man, maybe it would be better. She has a presence for sure. Like we mentioned earlier that she has like kind of a almost nuclear precision wit. Yeah. And if that's her improving, that's amazing for sure. And I would love to see what she does with like an actual fucking script. I can't even bring myself to say that I hate this movie. Why? Because it's, there's, there's nothing. You just don't care that much. To be fair, to hate something is like a very intense emotion. Mm -hmm. I also do not feel that intensely about this movie. Yeah. Listeners, would you like to know a secret? It took us a while to record this episode. This is, we usually do like a one day, a one yeah, day Yeah, a one day to like sit about, like sit on it, um, just so that like. Get our thoughts together. The boring things kind of sink to the bottom and the interesting things like rise to the top of our memory it this took us almost a week to record this episode two weeks it took us almost two weeks to record just this because we both like had nothing to say about this film that we hadn't already said like it's sexist in all the way sexist things are it's racist in kind of an interesting way i guess like we haven't had like this was asian this, racism this so was that's this was exciting. our this was our first asian american character and sort of our first egyptian actor because the vaguely european guy yeah. Uh, well, he's French. He's French nationality, but yeah. he was he's Egyptian. So I guess there's that. Yeah, but it's just like there's there's not anything interesting about this movie. Even the movie takes place in New York, and you don't even like get to fucking see New York. Literally, which is we're never outside. Literally, the only like was that was like the only good thing about what the uh, the the uh, bad girl right was yeah. like. Oh shit, we get to see Coney Island in like nineteen. 30, whatever the fuck. That's kind of cool. I like that. We don't even get that in this movie, right? No, there's 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 it's nothing. Fucking... And I I was so scared I wouldn't remember anything when we started this. I was like, fuck. Do we have to watch this movie again? Because I think I've forgotten all of it. And that's why I can't bring myself to hate it, right? Because after yeah. we're done with this, right? Like as soon as I'm done here, this movie is probably one of the few things in my life that's just gonna fall right out of my ears. Clean slate. Don't eat it. It goes in rough, but it comes out smooth. <laughs> oh gross. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> Ew. No. I don't like it. Is there anything else we want to talk about? Are we done? We, we can't be done this early. I honestly thought we'd be able to get more mileage out of talking about like Same. comedy and directorial styles, but... We're very concise on that because we've had that conversation a lot. Yeah. It's like there has to be something else we could talk about. Oh, the ending. We've, we kind of already talked about it though. Like, they end up together staring at each other in a house and they have sex in her dad's bedroom. Well, I wanna, what do you I, want? I want to talk about the ending a little bit because the ending, I think, is possibly the closest this movie comes to doing something. Okay. Sort of. I, it's it's the part of the movie that makes me go, oh, this is the weird avant-garde shit that gave this director his start, right? Oh, there's, and there's also more racism. Yeah, because there's, there's the thing in the ending where they're both at the cabin mm -hmm. and every time the clock chimes 
it like fades into like the the cuckoo part of the cuckoo clock you know what i'm talking about right yeah the cuckoo part of the cuckoo clock is them acting out like the the movements Mm -hmm. and i'm 100 percent convinced we've seen that in another movie i also think we've seen that in another movie but also they're dressed up as as an indigenous man and a woman and it's weird i thought they were dressed up as like the like german no one of them has like feather hat oh no yeah it's hard to tell because it's small and dark but it's definitely like that's rough native american-esque yeah it was gross it's the closest that i can get to to this this director's kind of aesthetic right Mm -hmm. because the whole scene is both of them are sleeping in separate rooms uh but they desperately want to have sex for reasons unclear, because they yeah, both hate each other. because they both hate each other. At the- A thing the movie hasn't really solved. Yeah. And so he's, like, trying to set up the door to, like, blow open because the door is, like, broken or whatever. And she's just lying there sexily. Mm-hmm. And then it keeps... Also, we make fun of fat people. That happens. Yes, that does happen. And then, like, the, the it just keeps cutting back to the clock to remind you. The movie doesn't set this up very well. It's no. to remind you that this is their last day as a married couple. Yeah, so as soon as the clock hits midnight, they're no longer married. They're and no I guess they can't have sex. Or whatever. Or Even maybe though they, they both cheated on each other. Or maybe so. they'll make them want to have sex more. I don't know. Unclear. Maybe that's what they're waiting for, right? It's the count, the final countdown. And, like, at this point of this 90-minute movie, I was so fucking done with it. Yeah. I just wanted it to end. Mm-hmm. And so every time it cut back to the clock, I was like, oh, my God, end already. But there is there is something a little, I don't know, I, I hesitate to say avant-garde, but I think maybe for the time a little weird about how this is directed. But it's so, it's so nuanced and slow and paced for how wild the rest of the movie was that yeah. I was just fucking pissed yeah. that this movie wasn't over yet. <laughs> No, I don't even, again, one, it's like racist, so I don't care. Two, you haven't set up to this. Like, no. you've done none of the legwork for these people falling back in love. So, like, none of it works. And also, they're at her parents' house. And that's weird. Why are they at her parents'? Also, they meet here by accident. Them getting here is, like, totally circumstance. And neither of them are even looking for each other. So, it's just, like, literally, there is th- there is nothing. Mm. It's not like there is, it's nothing. It's the closest this movie gets to trying to say something. And the fact that it is still so outside of the strike zone, it's nothing. And, and I've solved it, Andy. The awful truth is that it's only fun to sleep with unmarried people. They just hate Jesus. I, no sex unless unwed. That's what I say. Amen. And that's the ungrateful truth. What is it called? The awful truth. You just said it. You just said it. I think I think we're done. I don't think we're gonna I get did, more mileage so out of this movie wild. because this movie fucking sucks. It's because this movie's bad. We haven't bad. Even answered our two questions. What are we our, have to do? Our favorite scenes, ages, and does this movie deserve an Oscar? All right, this is pretty easy. No and no. Okay, well we need to do to we no. need to actually do it. All right. You did already look up ages. What so. was your yeah? What was your favorite scene in the movie? Will I have an you answer. ask again? I have an answer for this. What's your favorite scene in the movie? Uh, my favorite scene is is when the French vaguely European song teacher is like, "Sure, I'll talk to your husband as long as he doesn't own a gun." Yeah, that's really good. It's like the joke that made me kerfuffle. I think my favorite scene is after that when her soon-to-be ex-husband comes by, but then Oklahoma man shows up and he goes to hide in her bedroom and he just turns around and like the music teacher's there and they're both just like, "Hey, what's up?" That was good. I didn't like that scene as much because then it's like, oh, all of these men hate you now because there's men in your house and you're a terrible whore who's clearly sleeping with them. Oh, yeah, no. And like, I, why do you have to hide men? Why can't you just be like, yeah, my song teacher's at our house? Yeah. 
we're not even married anymore. Why can't you be like, hey, you know my ex who's been at my house constantly? He's also at my He's house. He's also at my house. Like, it makes no sense no, for no. why she's ashamed of this. No, it doesn't I make... I just find it frustrating. It, no, it doesn't make any sense at all. I just like the the acting moment of them yeah. two just being like, oh, hey, what's up? Yeah, we're both hiding here. Also, here's your hat. That's really funny. I get you. Not earned. No, I'm not saying that this is the reason why I like the movie. That's I'm saying fair. it's my favorite scene. Come on. Like, How dare you? Um, you got to nail me to a crossover, right? Jesus. 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 Amen. Hey, Andy. Yeah. What are the ages of these actors and actresses? Do you want to know how old these actors and actresses are? That's what I just asked. <laughs> Nail me to a crossover, why don't you? All right. Cary Grant, mm-hmm. who was the lead. He's he's in a lot of movies. Um, so I'm gonna say he's like thirty-eight. Cary Grant was born in nineteen oh four, which would have made him thirty-four at the time of this okay. movie. Okay. Eh, close ish. It's pretty good. Irene Dunn, who played his ex his wife. His wife. She's also in like a lot of movies they don't have any chemistry in this movie my last note is they have no chemistry um but i don't think that's because of an age difference i think it's because they're both really miserable yeah they're just weren't having a good time um but i'm going to say she's like 26 irene dunn was born in 1898 which would have oh, made her 40 at the time of this movie's that's red. uh release yeah this is I think the wildest, the the largest disparity we've gotten in the other direction. Yeah. Six years. Um, you would never see this today. No. Uh, any a woman actress in her forties at that point, like Hollywood's, like no, sorry. You only play great grandmas. You can only the only person you're allowed to play is Ben Platt's mom, <laughs> Alexander D'Arcy, who played the vaguely European lover, born Alexander Saraf again because he's Egyptian. Um, I believe he ended up, when he was naturalized as a citizen, ended up changing his name formally mm. to Alexander Darcy. That's a shame. Uh, he was the only good part of this movie. The music teacher? Yeah. I'm going to say he is also in his like early 30s. I'm going to go with 32. He was born in 1908, which would have made him 30 flat. Ah, dang. Uh, when you said in his 30s, I was like, come on, just dedicate 30. This was the hardest one for you, I think. Uh, you were You were the farthest, I think. Yeah. That you've been. I didn't like nail any of them because and they're dead but they're also de- but also amen i i i definitely think damn her lovers just get younger she's she's moving she up in the world with him. yeah I, this is gonna be a really hard question for you i know that you you've put in two weeks of thought because we just couldn't decide does this movie deserve an oscar fuck no <laughs> no what do you think what do you think no i'm mad that it's on the criterion collection it is not as mad as mutiny on the bounty which is just like so disrespectful to an entire culture and it is literally terrible that it's still being like upheld but like this movie isn't good it's very easy i think to <laughs> to listen to this and be like well they didn't like the movie obviously they don't think it should get an oscar and that's fair <laughs> this is all a matter of opinion right like yeah. i if you really want to like form your own opinions about these movies you should go you should watch you should definitely watch some of them not this one some but of some them. of them yeah right like there are like there are movies i think that were warmer on than others but um i think something that this movie really like brought into relief is that like i don't think mm-hmm. that really any of the movies that we've watched except for maybe all quiet on the western front mm-hmm. have been genuinely like big hitting movies that i think are worthy of an award that claims to be prestigious and represents cinema throughout all history. Yeah. And I think you can listen to some of this and be like, well, if you liked the movie, shouldn't you think that it won an Oscar? But like, no, because there are a lot of movies that I like that I don't think are representative of what the best cinema can be. Like I fucking love Spider-Man too. That movie's awesome. 
That movie kicks ass. The movie kicks a lot more ass than a lot of these movies. I also don't think that movie should get an Oscar. You know why? Because it's a fucking Spider-Man movie. And like, I'm sorry, as good as it is, like, it's not really saying something about the broader world that like everyone can resonate with through time immemorial, right? Like, I just, we, we aren't holding these movies to like some like, like a standard of just did we like it or not, right? Like, the whole point of this project is to really interrogate what it even means for a movie to be worth remembering. Yeah, no, I think in sort of a semi-scientific look, the things that like we are specifically looking for, and I think we kind of agree upon these, are what does it say about society? For a piece to be like time and memorial, it needs to be talking about the time it's in, right? Like, why would I remember a movie that can be placed in any year? You should be commenting on the society around you, on the problems around you. And that doesn't have to be a good movie and that doesn't have to be a movie we like. And also that doesn't need to be a pretty movie or a well-acted movie necessarily. Yeah. Like you can have a million problems and still be an Oscar-worthy movie. Absolutely. And so it's not up to one thing and it's also not a well-polished thing, right? We're not gonna be like, ah, dang, every cut in this movie was artful. Let's give it an Oscar. Like that's not what it's about. It's about the statements these movies are trying to make and whether we think those are worth being remembered. There's, there has, again, there has to be something emotional there, right? Yeah. Like the movie has to touch your heart and like affect your soul. And like, that's not really a thing that you can measure, right? There's no scientific list. Yeah. There's no, there's, yeah, there's no scientific methodology for, Mm -hmm. for finding out what like the best movie is time immemorial. Like there is for a James Bond movie, right? Like, (laughs) We just don't have that. But like, but you know when you feel it, right? Yeah. And again, I think, I don't know, something we're, we're trying to do in this project is like we are two very different people who come from very different circumstances and things that affect us are going to be very different given all of the things we check when we fill out. Uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Consent forms? Uh, for our... No consensus forms for like the government, oh. right? <laughs> Yeah, sure. We're in different demographics to according to the U.S. Census. That's yes. what I'm saying. But also like envir- all, all of the environment things. And so I just think like we are trying to spread our wings as far as we can to make sure that like things that are affecting happen, but also like being critical of those things and not letting just anything get through. Because if every movie gets an Oscar, then what is the point of the Oscars? Mm-hmm. No, yeah, for sure. Right. And like, I think... I mean, I fundamentally, like, disagree with, like, the entire premise of the Oscars, Oh, no, for right? sure. Also, we hate the Oscars. Also, we fucking hate the Oscars. Unless unless my movie that I want to win wins, right? Then, you No, know. still fuck the Oscars. <laughs> the, then, they get lucky every the, Yeah, they get lucky, right? Yeah. It's why I get more mad when the Criterion Collection is, like, this is a good movie. Because, like, hey, you're trying to be something smarter than the Oscars. Because mm-hmm. you're not, like, holding yourself to every year a movie gets an award. You're being, like, there are a hundred movies you have to watch. You are being really awful about those picks yeah i mean i think it's one of those things right where it's like the i don't really give a shit about the criterion collection i think what i care more about is occasionally they'll do these like um this director is going to pick like a curated list of like six movies Mm -hmm. and i find those to be intensely more interesting because you know like you'll get you'll get directors like um spike lee Mm -hmm. um who will walk in and be like you know oh like I, I like I think that this movie's worth watching and like tell you the reasons why. And I think that curation mm-hmm. is what you want. And the Criterion Collection kind of is trying to be this like, oh, we're cu- we're a curated list of great movies, but you know, a project like that goes on long enough and eventually you're just gonna start 
slipping. And that's okay, I think, for that, because I don't think the the Criterion Collection, I don't think, holds itself to the same prestige as the Oscars. They're definitely not as up their own ass about it. And also, you get the sense that, like, the people who work on these editions genuinely love those movies. So that's something, I guess. Because, like, I don't know, like, a movie will win an Oscar because, I don't know, my they kid, had a dumb gimmick. Yeah, my kid watched it, so I guess this. I guess Shrek I guess has it's to the win. the best animated movie. movie. It's a bad system. It's run by rich people, and time and time again, they'll just be like, "Oh, you've been ho- in Hollywood for fifty years. I guess you deserve an Oscar." Uh, and that's what it was at its inception, and that's what it continues to be. Fuck this movie. I don't know what we're watching next, so let me look it up. Sorry, I don't know what we're watching next, so let me look it up. I'm going to cut that, obviously. That's why I wanted to give you a second take. <laughs> Jesus. Gee, nail me to a crossway, don't Nail me to a crossway, don't you? So the movie we're watching next time is The Life of Emile Zola, directed by William Dieterle. 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 Uh, so do you want to take a, a gander at what that movie's about? I think it's about a writer. Feels the um, anything called the life of something sounds to, feels to me like a movie based on a autobiography or like some sort of avant garde book. Yeah, I think I think with your like shitty dudes, it's called like the Great Gatsby, Ziegfeld, other circus dude. Um, and when you get the life, it's, yeah, there you go. And then when you get a, the life of, it's usually more of like a it's like this is a like fail. A, this is a I fail was gonna guy. say. <laughs> like a philosophy. So mm. I think this is going to be more of like a philosophical questioning of a man's life. Watch it be a comedy. God, Watch I'll, it be a comedy. Fucking cry. <laughs> like I am holding this to the standards of the movies we've seen yeah, and also like the life of pi and yeah, stuff. I want, yeah, exactly. I want this to be like a meditations level philosophy. Yeah. Um, this movie needs to change my fucking life. <laughs> this movie needs to make me clean my bedroom. <laughs> Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, you, my name is Mavis Evergreen. You can find me at Mavis Evergreen on Twitter. And remember. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That you shouldn't nag women. Fair. Whoa, 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 says Andy. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on a second there. Maybe we Not should even consider, one woman? Maybe we should consider. Not even a woman? We have to consider the positive effects of nagging women. What are the positive effects, Andy? <laughs> Dig your grave, they, little bitch. They feel worse than me, and that <laughs> makes me feel superior to them. Damn, do you surf, bro? I know. Um, <laughs> I had to do a voice so they knew I was joking. Yeah, my name is Andres Reyes. Um, you can find me on Twitter at royalty underscore Valens. You can also find me at my other podcast that I do with my buddy Tony. That is Direct2 Video. You can find it at direct2.video. We took a bit of an extended break for New Year's, but we're coming back with the vengeance. Um... We're going to be watching the more of the Swan Princess. And I am, I, I think I got, I think I'm getting like night sweats thinking about watching that movie. Like tune in for that. Catch us. And you can catch us here uh, at timehonoredpictures.com. We haven't done this in a while, but um, if you're listening to this podcast on iTunes, we would really like it. If you could rate us five stars and leave a comment or something, that'd be cool. Um, I think the 
the implication is supposed to be that her dad lives on like the frontier. He lives in New York. They uh, drove there. I know, I know, I know. But he lives in like a log cabin, in the and frontier there might be here of Rochester, and there might be First Nations peoples here. Sorry, but I live in Raleigh, New York, the frontier. <laughs> True. Damn! Did you hear about fucking Tom? He moved to the frontier of New York, Brooklyn. Ah, <laughs> oh, damn! Where did he move? Albany. Those Canadians are gonna get him. The Canadians are gonna get him. Kill me. God. <laughs> so this clock. He moved to Pennsylvania. That's basically the West. No, right. He moved to Pennsylvania. <laughs> Do you think he's gonna pan for gold? Oh my God! The Pennsylvania gold rush. <laughs>